Good day to you. This is Monday, January 24th, 2022. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is your daily scripture meditation. Um, once again, like last week, we will be, and like I said, for the foreseeable future, we're going to be having a very simplified recording, and that is simply to do with some issues um, with my computer. So uh, today, this week, we're going to kind of also change up the schedule. The way I've been doing it is that uh, Tuesday and Thursday are New Testament, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday are Old Testament. Well, I decided to kind of switch that up and have it that uh, Monday, <clears throat> Wednesday, and Friday are New Testament, and then <clears throat> Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday are um, Old Testament. And the reason we're doing that is simply because, um, uh, especially if we had a week like last week, uh, that would mean we only have one New Testament reading for a little bit over a week. Uh, the downside is it's going to take a little bit longer to get through the Old Testament, but uh, <clears throat> but I, this is the way we're going to do it. So today we are going today we're going to be um, in Luke chapter two, beginning at verse thirty nine. So let us begin. It says, and when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town in Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So this is just, this is right after Jesus um, had been presented at the temple. Uh, verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So this is personal custom um, of going to Jerusalem for Passover, but it's also cus Jewish custom because um, at the age of twelve, uh, children. There are two reasons why you would come up. One is that you're working on your apprenticeship because uh, the age of thirteen was pretty much the age of adulthood, and so they're starting to get ready for that preparation. Um, but the other reason is is because. Uh, the age of 12 is when they do their final um, catechization or whatever you want to call it, catechizing, uh, to prepare to receive the Passover. Um, because you did not actually take part of the Passover meal until you were 13 years old. So um, so those are the two customs that are probably at play here. Verse 43, And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you and in, in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now I want to, want to note here, here's a couple things here. Um, note that this is th after three days. This is a foreshadowing. Because it would be after three days that they would be looking for, people would be looking for Jesus again. Except for it will be the dead Jesus. Well, they assume to be the dead Jesus. They'll be looking for him 
in the tomb instead of the temple, but they won't find they will be struggling to find him because he will be risen. But note here he says, I must be in my father's house. Or as you were there about my father's business. It's another translation. And so I want you to understand that um this and I think about that my father's business seems to make sense because he's saying my apprentice this is my apprenticeship not to be um a carpenter like Joseph, but to be this is part of the fact that he is the Christ. And that's what he means. At least that's why he's there, preparing for that. Now he would serve as a carpenter for many years, but primarily he is the Christ. Says they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And this is a nice little reminder that submissiveness does not mean inequality. To be in submission to someone does not mean that you are inferior to them. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh, and yet he was submissive to his parents. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Note, every single one of the people here that I just mentioned um, up through verse 2 are all historical figures that are well documented. So that's what Luke is doing. He's pinpointing this in history. John himself is also attested to, well attested to. So, and he went on, into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be lift, filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers. This is pretty insulting. Brood of vipers means sons of Satan. So it's pretty harsh what he's saying. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children. For Abraham, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What is fruit? What is good fruit? Fruit keeping with repentance. So that's what it's looking for. So those who do not bear repentance, the fruit of repentance, are thrown into the fire. And by the way, the ones that bear fruit of repentance are those who have faith. Verse 10. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. No, he does not say, Stop collecting, taxation is theft. No, he does not say that. He says, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, 
And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Note the person who bat untied the sandals was the lowest of servants, because feet went through muds and poop and, you know, all that stuff. So it's only the lowest of servants would un untie the sandals. And here, John is saying that he is not even worthy for that. His winnowing fork is in the hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the shaft he will born, burn with unquenchable fire. No doubt Jesus brings, there is condemnation. This, the, the idea of a universal atonement that all people are saved is thrown out by these words of John. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved proved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. So this is the text. And so note, note why is John locked up in prison? He is not locked up in prison because he had a bold vision or something like that. He's locked up in prison because he preached against the immoral relationship of Herod. So if you ever wonder whether or not pa pastors, religious leaders, Christians should speak against immorality in terms of romantic relationships, sexual relationships, here's your answer. John did. He was thrown into prison for it. And a little bit later, he will be, we'll read that he will be executed for it. All right? So... Uh, we move over to the Lutheran Confessions, um, and we're going to start, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer from the Small Catechism, as that's where we left off on, on Thursday. As the head of the Father should teach it in the simplest way to his household. Our Father, who art in heaven, what does this mean? Answer, by these words, God would tenderly encourage us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that we may ask him confidently with all assurance as dear children ask their dear Father. The first petition, hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? Answer, God's name is indeed holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may become holy among us also. How is this done? Answer, when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives in accordance with it, to this end help us, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches and lives other than by what God's word teaches profanes the name of God among us. From this preserve us, heavenly Father. The second petition, thy kingdom come. What does this mean? Answer, the kingdom of God comes indeed without our prayer of itself, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How is this done? Answer, when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit, 
so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead a godly life here in time and there in eternity. The third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? Answer, the good and gracious will of God is in done indeed without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is this done? Answer, when God breaks and hinders every evil counsel and will that would not let us hallow the name of God, nor let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil, the world, and our flesh. Instead, he strengthens and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith until we die. This is his gracious and good will. The fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? Answer. God gives daily bread even without our prayer to all wicked people. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to realize this and receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What is meant by daily bread? Answer, everything that belongs to the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, field, cattle, money, goods, a pious spouse, pious children, pious servants, pious and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. The fifth petition. <clears throat> Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? Answer. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sins nor deny such petitions on account of them. We are not worthy of any of the things for which we pray, neither have we deserved them. But we pray that we, he would grant them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment. So will we truly on our part also heartily forgive and readily do good to those who sin against us. The sixth petition. And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? Answer. God indeed tempts no one, but we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us nor seduce us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Though we are attacked by these things, we pray that still we may finally overcome them and gain the victory. Seventh Petition but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? Answer, we pray in this petition as in summary that our Father in heaven would deliver us from all kinds of evil, a body and soul, property and honor, and finally, when our last hour shall come, we pray that he would grant us a blessed end and graciously take us from this veil of tears to himself into heaven. Amen. What does this mean? Answer, I should be certain that these petitions are acceptable to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray this way and has promised that he will hear us. Amen, amen. That is, yes, yes, it shall be so. Now I want you to note something here. You might have noticed that there is no for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The reason is because it did not originally appear and Luther's catechism. It is something that appeared many centuries, a couple, couple, um, 
couple centuries later. Um, the practice of ending the Lord's Prayer with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Goes back to the early church. In the early church, the Lord's Prayer always ended, all prayers ended with a Trinitarian doxology. They would end it with, Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever, under the ages of ages. Amen. Well, somewhere along the line, that kind of dropped away, including with the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer, when it's prayed, they just pray the words that are included in the Gospel of Matthew. And so, for thine is the kingdom is not in the Gospel of Matthew. So whenever they got to, but deliver us from evil, they would just say, Amen. Well, during the, in some point in the 1700s, the doxology, a doxology got added on, which is, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen continuing the tradition that went back to the early days of the church. So that's kind of why it was there, but it was not there during the time of Luther. Hence the reason it is not recorded in this part of the catechism, in this edition of the catechism. So Article 4, um, Article 4 of the Small Catechism, the sacrament of holy baptism, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. First, what is baptism? Answer, baptism is not simple water only, but it is the water included in God's command and connected with God's word, which is that word of God. Answer, Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. That, by the way, is one of the Bible verses that every single Christian should know by heart, just so you know. Second, what does baptism give or profit? Answer, it works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe. This is the words as the, and promises of God declares. What are these words and promises of God? Answer, Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16, verse 16. How could water do such great things? Answer, it is not the water indeed that does them, but the word of God, which is in and with the water and faith, which trusts this word of God in the water. For without the word of God, the water is simple water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism. That is, a gracious water of life and a washing of regeneration in the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. What does such baptizing with water signify? Answer, it signifies that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil lust. And also it shows that a new man should daily come forth and rise, who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? Answer, St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How the unlearned should taught, be taught to confess. What is confession? Answer. Confession has two parts. The one is that we confess our sins. The other is that we receive absolution or forgiveness from the confessor as from God himself and in no way doubt but firmly believe that our sins are forgiven before God in heaven by this. What sins should we confess? Answer. Before God we should plead guilty of all sins even of those that we do not know as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the confessor, we should confess only those sins that we know and feel in our hearts. Which are these? Answer. Here, consider your calling according to the Ten Commandments. Whether you are father, mother, son, daughter, master, mistress, or manservant or maidservant, consider whether you have been disobedient, unfaithful, or slothful. Consider whether you have grieved anyone by works or words or deeds, whether you have stolen, neglected, wasted, or done other harm. Please give to me a brief form of confession. Answer. You should speak to the confessor like this. Reverend and dear sir, I ask you to hear my confession and to pronounce forgiveness to me for God's sake. Proceed. Notice this is private confession. This is in Luther's small catechism. So anybody thinks that private confession is just a Catholic thing, the Lutherans don't do it. It's right here in Luther's small catechism. It's just, it's been expunged from many of our copies that we get from, um, through CPH or whatever. I don't know why it got removed, but it did. Anyways, it says proceed. So this is the pastor saying to the individual, proceed. And the individual says, I, a poor sinner, confess myself guilty of all sins. Before God, I especially, before God, I especially confess before you that I am a manservant, maidservant, etc., but unfortunately I serve my master unfaithfully. For in this and in that I have not done what has been commanded me. I have provoked him and caused him to curse. I have been negligent in many things and permitted damage to be done. I have also been immodest in words and deeds. I have argued with my equals, grumbled and sworn at my mistress and so forth. For all this I am sorry. And I pray for grace. I want to do better. A master or mistress may say this. In particular, I confess before you that I have not faithfully trained my children, domestic servants and wife, family, for God's glory. I have cursed, set a bad example by rude words and deeds. I have done my neighbor harm and spoken evil of him. I have overcharged, sold inferior products, and have given people less than they paid for. And whatever else he has done against God's command and his calling and such, but if anyone does not find himself burdened with these sins or greater sins, he should not trouble himself or search for or invent other sins, and thereby make confession or torture. He should mention one or two sins that he knows, say, in particular, I confess that I once cursed. Further, I once used improper words. I have once neglected this or that, and so on. Let this be enough. But if you don't know of any sins at all, which, however, is hardly possible, then mention none in particular, but receive the forgiveness upon your general confession that you make before God to the confessor. 
Then the confessors shall say, God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Amen. Furthermore, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Answer, yes, dear sir. Then let him say, as you believe, so let it be done for you. And by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Depart in peace. But for those who have great burdens on their consciences or are distressed and tempted, the confessor will know how to comfort and encourage them to believe with more passages of Scripture. This is supposed to serve as a general form of confession for the unlearned. The sacrament of the altar, as the head of a family, should teach it in a simple way to his household. What is the sacrament of the altar? Answer, it is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink instituted by Christ himself. Now i got to pause for a moment. You notice, might have noticed, as we went through the catechism, that part, there is no office in the keys. And the reason is, is because that was something that was added into the catechism later. So in this version, it is not there. Just giving you a note. All right. Where is this written? Answer, the Holy Evangelist, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Note, those are words that every Christian should have memorized. Those entire words. They are taken from a combination of different sources of the scriptures, but they are all scriptural. These are the words of institution that the pastor says. And if you want to know a good tip, an easy way to memorize it, learn the chant. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is a new testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. See, the chanting makes it easier to memorize. That's the whole purpose of chanting. It helps you memorize. What is the benefit of such eating and drinking? Answer, this is shown to us of these forgiveness, given for you and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This means that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Answer, it is not the eating and drinking indeed that does it, but the words which are given here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words are beside the bodily eating and drinking, the chief thing in the sacrament. The person who believes these things has what they say. 
express, namely the forgiveness of sins. Who then receives such sacrament worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are indeed fine outward training, but a person is truly worthy and well prepared with faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts is unworthy and unfit, for the words for you requires hearts that truly believe. So, if a person does not believe that they receive the forgiveness of sins in the Lord's Supper, if they do not believe that the body and blood of Jesus is present in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins, they should not be received to the altar because it will be to their harm. All right. So fasting is a good thing. You can do that. Note it doesn't say fasting and bodily preparation should never be done. No, it says R&D properly fine outward training. If you want to do that, go ahead. You don't have to, but you could certainly do that. So, all right. So we're going to end there. I know we're almost at 30 minutes. Um, but so we'll end with a quick prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you've given us the wondrous gifts of baptism, Lord's Supper, confession and absolution, means by which you deliver us forgiveness. We give you thanks for this, and we pray that you would lead us to relish and rejoice in this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. God's bless on your day.